other lollygaggers. Got another week on tap here. We are lollygagging sports. Uh, we are not the Feral Cats podcast. <laughs> we are lollygagging sports. I'm Bo Reed along with Samantha Button and Matthew Irby. Samantha, how are you doing out there tonight? Stay tuned. There may be some feral cats. It's come up every week this season. I don't know why this would be the end of it. So you never know. Just never know. There may be feral cats. Oh, apparently we just needed to clarify the name of the podcast. Yes, this is not called the Feral Cat Podcast. Although. We did get some interesting feedback from a listener. It's not called the Feral Cat Podcast. But we are glad that you noticed how fond we are of the Oakland Coliseum Feral Cats. Oh boy, Irby, how about you? How you doing? I right, no no complaints from here. No cats over here. You know, all is all is well. Um, confused by sports, but I love sports. You know, was it the Rangers took two out of three from Seattle, and they beat Luis Castillo and Logan Gilbert. So go figure. <laughs> love the sport. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think that's all that that's surprising. But you know that's that's either here. A bullpen held on to lead. It's surprising. Oh, that's the, oh, that's your shock. Oh, okay. We got to be more specific. <laughs> well, it's all over the map. It's just a weird series, but all is well. <laughs> we're, we're still on track for the formation of the Guardians Rangers Super Team, right? Um, I think so. Yeah. We will yes, bring please. pitchers. You will bring hitters. And- Good baseball teams. <laughs> the, the question there is, is, does Mr. Clement, for you, Samantha, does he have a place on said roster? Oh, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. okay. Yeah, like, this is the, like, listen, there are, like, just some people that, like, just transcend, like, roster limitations. So, yeah, if we're building the super team, then we need to get, like, the super team good vibes guys back, which means Ernie Clement and Austin Hedges are both going to need that bonus team. All right, well, we got a great show. We're going to talk talk the the various subjects we like to bring up each week uh, in, in Major League Baseball. We're going to have a little armchair umpire here at the end of it, but before we uh, get to that, Samantha, you want to kick us off? Yes, speaking of the Guardians. Sorry, I know you guys have been asking for this, although this is probably not the week you want to hear it. Uh, or maybe, maybe you need a therapy session. I don't know, but, you know, I... Guardians people, um, <laughs> best. We are answering. We are depressed. We are panicking. Except we're not really panicking. It's only two games back. So um, more on panicking fan bases in a moment. But uh, let's let's talk Guardians a little bit here. Um, this is a bizarre team that just absolutely has no offense whatsoever. Um, there are, I guess, different ways to have no offense, and this is certainly not a creed-swinging team that is striking out. They just can't seem to score runs because they are making the softest soft contact uh, that ever was. It's just horrendous, guys. It's really bad. Um, Look, they're the third hardest team to strike out in Major League Baseball. But they're 27th in hard hit rates. So... Look, some of this I know is if you have soft-hitting players and the weather is cold and you play in a cold-weather part of the country, then things will get better. 
plane warms up and you're going to get less drag on the ball. The ball's going to carry further in the warmer air. So, you know, those flyouts to the warning track become home runs. Okay, but, like, if you can't put a single run on the board against the Detroit Tigers, which is what happened on Wednesday, like, you've got a problem. So they are fortunate because the division is awful. I mean, Minnesota is also terrible, and they will probably get worse, and the Guardians will probably get better because that's how this usually tends to go. Mm-hmm. But it is concerning, even if you say, okay, the Guardians are only two games back. We assume their best baseball is yet to come. We don't think the Twins can keep it together. They already look terrible. Um, so, but what happens when you get into the playoffs? Because, the you know, the pitching has been fantastic, and I, I know we all complain about, you know, James Jack and his creepy tight pants, but on the whole, the, the pitching has been phenomenally good. But you can't win a baseball game scoring zero runs, no matter how good your pitching is. So, something's got to change here. And I don't know that there's just not a lot in AAA. There's not a lot they can do, uh, offensively speaking, to sort of give this team a shot in the arm. Um, I think there's a good argument that if you are still in the race, as we would expect that they would be at the trade deadline, that it's time to trade some pitching for a reliable bat. Um, Not a great market for that this year, of course. Timing is not wonderful. But... In the meantime, you got to be able to keep up and, and stay in the race, and you're not going to do that if you can't score any runs against the Tigers. So they have just lost too many series where half of the games are lost, you know, after a pitching performance where the staff gives up two or three runs and they can't put enough runs on the board. And I think they were like, I think they're like 11 and two when they score four or more runs. So that should tell you everything you need to know, I think, about which end the problem is on. But, like, what do you do in the meantime? There's just not much you can do with what you have to work with right now. Well, okay, let's start here. Like, like what exactly do you think is, is the cause of, of such an outage? Because... It's not like they. It's not like the Guardians have a completely different lineup from last year, right? Like, like they've they've got some established guys in that order. The guys that have hit the ball hard in the past is 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 it really is it bad starts? Is this something that that you really do project to, to continue throughout the entire regular season? Well, and that's part of it too. And like to me, it's like I think I'm probably less panicked about this than a lot of people because it's like, well, this happens every year. They always start slowly. They always come on at the end. The division is weak. Nobody's going to be able to build up a big enough lead. So, yeah, they're going to start hitting better. You know, we mentioned the weather um, and the drag on the ball, and it for a team like this does kind of matter, especially when you know your best power hitters hit flying drive home runs, not big towering. <laughs> huge launch angle things and you know you know that Josh Bell got off to a really slow start and he was supposed to be the guy who was supposed to kind of supersede that um and, and he's doing a little bit better now but you know there's it's like you pointed out it's a little bit difficult because it is for the most part the same lineup that the pieces that are not there anymore you know it's like I mean Austin Hedges who is actually a worse hitter than Mike Zanino but right now you know we're a little bit mad about that because Hedges is significantly better defensively and and he's a clubhouse guy who was important and I don't think it matters whether a guy's hitting 147 or 187. That's just a bad hitter, right? You don't really care. So it seems like a mistake to give it to Hedges, but that's not going to fix your offensive problems. So I don't know if you need to shake up the batting order. I mean, you know, 
everybody can scream from the rooftops that they don't want to see Ahmed Rosario in the two-hole anymore, and that would make sense, but I don't know that that's going to fix your problem either. You know, Andres Jimenez needs to start hitting. Maybe he just got $100 million. you got to start making contact. Um, you know, I think there's some issues at first base, and, and Josh Naylor, who just cannot hit left-handed pitching, we all love Josh Naylor, and you don't want him to go anywhere, but there really should be a platoon there. Um, they mm. need to figure something out in right field as well. Um, just nobody has really been particularly good out there, and I don't know if it's easy to pick a guy and stick with him because these guys are clearly not getting enough at that, um, or if you just need to get smarter about the way that you platoon, but it's pretty bleak right now. <laughs> Irby, how about you? What are you thinking here with the Guardians? I will, I mean, let's, let's do bad, and then we'll do a couple goods. You know, yeah, when, when you lose six of your last seven series, is, that's that's bad. That's, that's, that's not, you know, and it's, they're not getting swept, but you're not winning series, and these are series you need to win. Fortunately, you got the, you know, the one series in there was Minnesota. The good thing, as you mentioned, Samantha, is the division. Lose, most teams lose six out of seven series is, you're not sitting two and a half games out of first place. Fortunately, that is the AS Central, and, and this has nothing to do with wild cards and home field and all that. You just play the hand that's been dealt. You play the division that's been dealt, and that's the division at hand. I mean, yeah, it doesn't look great in the optics that you get shut out by Detroit and they actually moved ahead of you into second place today, but it doesn't matter. It's a long season, two and a half games. So, I yeah, not great. I, it's funny when I when I look up and down team stats and, and on base percentages and <laughs> and walks and things like that. It's like Cleveland's sitting at the bottom, and then then you look at stuff like stolen bases and strikeouts, and they're sitting at the best. And so very polarizing team here. Um, but I you know the, the the good that I'll leave you with, and, and this is more therapeutic for Samantha and, and your Guardians fan base. Um, so we're going to reach back in history, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to try something here, and you can play your little voodoo music or whatever you need to right now. Today, you know, couldn't get anything done today. Sorry, got shut out against Detroit, so be it, whatever. But but we're, we're all about moving forward. So today, the medicine I'm going to bring. This is the one year anniversary of Josh Naylor's eight RBI from the eighth inning on game to come back and beat the White Sox, where he had an RBI double in this eighth inning. He hit a grand slam to tie the game with two outs in the ninth inning and then hit a three-run homer in the 11th inning to win it. So, one-year anniversary of that. Let's do a little therapy here, and let's get this get this offense rolling. Yes, there were a lot of people uh, talking today about hoping that the anniversary of the Naylor game was going to kind of turn things around. <laughs> so, so we're, hopefully that's that's coming tomorrow. But uh, just a, a quick note before we move on on the stolen bases. Yeah, I mean, I think if there's a criticism here that's something you can do something about, it's that why are you not taking greater advantage of the new rules when you are so, so good at this? They're stealing at you know, roughly the same rate as a lot of other teams that shouldn't be happening. <laughs> like, if you can, you have such a hard time getting runners on, mm-hmm, if you can swipe mm-hmm. free bags, like, Miles Strauss, Stephen Kwan, Jose Ramirez, like, heck, even Naylor, Naylor's fat ass steals some bases occasionally. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> like, I mean, this team runs well, and they run smart. So, why they are not taking greater advantage of a new rule that is built for a team like them is definitely bugging me. 
You know, it's not even just that. It's like their style of hitting, like that the line drive mm-hmm. hit, hit them where they ain't. Like that's like yeah, steal the bases, guys. Uh, <laughs> yikes. Okay, uh, what else you got for us here, uh, here Samantha, this week? All right, so we'll we'll come back to the bad news in a minute, but let's let's hit some good news now. Um, let's let's talk a little Cody Bellinger. So Ooh. this is a guy that I think a lot of us were rooting for and who has had a, a rough couple of years after his MVP season and had some injuries that I think were, how would I put it, underdiagnosed, shall we say? Um, and, you know, it's, uh, you know, you just looked at the guy. I mean, he just looked like he was, like, not physically well. He lost a ton of weight. You know, he's never been a, a, a huge dude, but he, you know, he hit like he was a huge dude, um, you know, when, when he was performing well, and you looked at the guy, and it was kind of shocking, and you're thinking, yeah, those sorts of, like, internal, like, sort of, like, injuries to, like, the trunk and the torso can really, really take a toll on you, I think, in a way that's not necessarily apparent the way that a shoulder injury or a knee injury would be, and just had a horrible time of it, but he really seems to be doing a lot better. So that, that one year kind of prove it deal paying off for him, paying off for the Cubs um, numbers are up significantly. Uh, you know, he's hitting, he's got seven home runs so far, nine stolen bases. Um, you know, I think that the 14 walks and only 27 strikeouts, particularly uh, notable to me because he is striking out a, far lower rate and walking at a far higher rate than he typically does. And when you look kind of at the triple slash, the, you know, the OBP is about the same, 333 this year, uh, or I'm sorry, 368 this year, 333 for the career. So not a lot of difference there. Um, but, you know, his slug is up to 543. Uh, it's 490 on a career and his OPS up at 909 over 823. So not hugely different, but it just feels really, really different. And he is on pace and in a way that feels fairly projectable to have a much better season. And, and I love that for Cody. And I, I think that that, that one year deal was probably a smart move for him. Um, I, again, you know, when we talked about this, when it happened, we kind of went, well, okay, good for him. I don't really understand what the Cubs are doing. And, and it still doesn't make all that much sense for the Cubs, but uh, you know, right now they are reaping the benefits of that. And I just, you know, I want to see Cody Bellinger do well, especially after he had such a rough time with all the injuries. So, so this is cool. This is some good news. Yeah. You know, I, you know absolutely. It's some good news. You know, and Irby, the, uh, the Cubs are already talking about long-term extension conversations that they want to have, with Bellinger, I don't think he'll do it. I mean, he, he Smith, I think you alluded to this perfectly. Taking the one-year deal was smart. Uh, he's going to want to take, especially if he, if he does do as his season is projecting out to be, he's going to want to take that out of the open market and see what he can really get. And frankly, it would behoove the Cubs not to do a big deal with Bellinger. You have way too many other holes in your roster to be doing this. Uh, but you, you could see where he would turn this into a nice, lucrative, like, five-year Deal with a couple of options added onto it. It'd be a seller's market <laughs> for yeah. hitters this off season too. So it's a yeah, it's a good time to be in this position. <laughs> yeah, no, you guys make a great point about that. Um, and and we have a couple players out there done deals, and Bellinger. It's wonderful to see that. Um, it is the uh, it, it's the eye. It's the <clears throat> You know, I know he's listed now. He say he's listed at 203 pounds, and I, I'm still looking at that going, is that so bad? 
Was he wearing a really heavy chain when he, when he was wearing I, Maybe he had the catcher's gear on or something. Yeah, he had the turnover chain. Catcher's gear and a turnover chain on, soaking wet. Yeah, I was like, I don't know about 203, but okay, we'll run with it. And um, did, did, so, yes, I, I, he does look healthier. Um, I mean, and, and you look at it, this is this has been post-COVID, and we've seen it. I know 2020 wasn't a terrible year for her, but boy, the drop-off from there, um, whatever that battle is and everything, it, it's not worth getting into. It's just wonderful to see, because I can say that you threw out the number. Not stealing, you just the same mindset. It's, I had the same number on there, that 366 on-base percentage. Yeah, 333 for the career. Last two seasons, 240 and 265. So, yeah, when you're getting on base over 100 points higher, doesn't matter what it was. It's only, <laughs> something's going a whole lot better. Um, he's drawing walks again. Um, it's the same number of bats. It's just better bats. It's and, and another one, too, that I had not noticed before, but it, his launch angle is down. Uh, and typically, you know, it, again, that number is very dependent on where the player is at. But Cody, the last two years, his average launch angle was sitting in the 20%. And sure, that's a great number when hitting a home run, but as an average, that's a horrible number. You need to be in those teens, and he's back down to 18%. So, yes, peripherals, everything looking great for Cody. Uh, happy for him on what he's going to get uh, in the off season, And, you know, as he continues his strive for weighing 200 pounds, because, yeah, it's, you're not 203. <laughs> well, that's not, that's not what the team says. They say he weighs 203. I'm kidding. Hey, right, no, and so do I. How any player under six feet gets two inches added to their height, which is why when you see a player where it says they're 5'10", you're like, that dude's 5'8". Uh, <laughs> Or, you know, five years taken off your age like Albert Pujols. You know, I, 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 I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Works both ways, guys. You can take it off. Yeah, Albert, Albert was probably claiming to be 203 as well. <laughs> All right. I, it just cracked me up how, like, professional athletes' weight listings are, like, the reverse of, like, a woman's driver's license. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's good. That's, That's good. good. That's good. Right. What else do you have for us tonight, Samantha? All right. So um, I mentioned the Guardians fans being a, a little bit unhappy, which we understand. But there, there are some some teams who are uh, their their fans are even more unhappy as they should be. Uh, we've got some people in full blown panic mode in May, mm -hmm. and we've got a couple candidates who I think should be in full blown panic mode in May. So. Number one with a bullet, of course, the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, some truly fantastic stuff by the, the guys over at Baseball's Dead um, taking the voicemails from Cardinals fans who were, like, losing their minds. I mean, there was a guy who was like, I'm physically sick. I think I'm a Braves fan now. And you're like, you haven't had back-to-back -back losing seasons since 1994 and 1995, which is, like, I think why this is happening, right? Like, they don't know what to do. Yeah. And I, I know there's a performative aspect to this kind of stuff. It's almost like you're cosplaying it, like being a losing team, as those guys pointed out. Um, and it, and that, that part's not great. But I think a lot of it is just, like, if you are used to being successful 
it's like the panic that comes with something like this is so much greater than teams that are either, you know, used to at the very least being in the cycle of like compete, rebuild, compete, rebuild. But the Cardinals really don't go through that. And they've been at the top of their division more often than not. They just don't have many losing seasons. So full meltdown. A little bit hilarious. It's a little bit funny, and I, I respect Cardinals fans, and, and so I'm, I'm willing to get a little more latitude here for people who are usually pretty smart and rational who are melting down. It just feels a lot different than, you know, Yankees fans, the, the chicken littles of Major League Baseball. You know, the sky is falling every time, unless they have an, you know, 800 winning percentage, then everything is awful and everyone should be fired, and and. Even though this year, I think you can kind of make an argument that, like, you should be panicking if you're a Yankee fan because you're in last place in, like, a hugely competitive division. It's just a little bit hard to take seriously when these guys are, like, in first place and they're like, oh, man, I don't know, we should fire the manager. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> so, again, Cardinals fans, um, you know, I think uh, across town from the Yankees, Mets fans uh, melting down a little bit, too. Uh, same with the Phillies, and those who are tied with each other for third place in the East uh, behind the Braves and, and going to have a hard time catching up. And I don't think either of these teams is that bad. I think they're both going to get better. But I, I sort of understand the panic from both. For the Phillies, it's a little bit of that World Series hangover thing, like, oh, my God, what happened here? We were in the World Series not that long ago. And for the Mets, I mean, there are some pitching problems there that I, I think are very, very real. And even though their record is not that bad and they're not in that bad of a position relative to their division or even to their league, yeah, I, I understand it. Um, also, you spend a lot of money this offseason. <laughs> like, a lot of money. Like, way more than anybody else. Uh, and you don't have anything to show for it. Um, and then, of course, Seattle, I, I think, needs to go on this list as well. Again, they're not doing that bad. They're at 500. They're going to tie for third place. But, uh, you know, certainly some well warranted panic there. And, of course, Cleveland and Minnesota, it's hilarious. Minnesota's in first and Cleveland is in second. And both of their fan bases are freaking out because neither team can hit. And they both look like they suck. But, you know, you're in this bad division. So a um, lot, of, lot of panic there, uh, much more so than for, say, the White Sox, who really are truly bad. And those people are all like, yeah, we knew this was going to happen. <laughs> so sorry, guys. Good for you, I guess, for knowing it was coming. But, uh, you know, if anybody else wants to comment or, or submit any other teams, which I may have forgotten, who look like they're in full-scale meltdown mode right now, <laughs> throw it out there. <laughs> you know, I mean – Seattle's an interesting one to add to this list because, like you said, they're at 500. Uh, but, but, but when you look at why they're 500, you could see why the fan base would panic because, yes, right? Like, they're they lose Robbie Ray, they still got Castillo who lost today. Oh, excuse me, we record recording this on Wednesday, lost his last start. Um, bullpen's been a, been fine, but they can't hit. They're having this, they're having some serious offensive struggles. As well, and you know, it's, it's you you look across the aisle here, and you you see some upstart teams in this in in their division, just tearing the cover off the ball, and getting good pitching. Yeah, I, I can see where the panic was set in, Samantha. That's that's an interesting ad. I I hadn't actually thought about them until now, until you brought them up here. But that's an interesting addition uh, to, to add here. Irby, how about you? Do you have any teams you want to add in? I will, you know, one that was starting to panic, but things have gotten better uh, with the two-game winning streak. The Rockies are six games away from 500, so quest for 500. Things are looking a whole lot better in Colorado. No need to panic. 
We're back on track. Yeah, back on track. Things are looking better. Oh, things, things, things are looking a whole lot better. Um, the Seattle one, yeah, I, um, I I like that one, what you guys are saying, because this is supposed to be, like, they, they were supposed to be, how this is playing out, they were supposed to be where the Angels are, um, if not where the Rangers are. Um, and sadly, I have to do a little bit of that, too. I have to call out some of the Ranger fans, too. Um, yes, the bullpen is a mess. We all knew that. Everybody knew that. The bullpen knew. Everybody in the world knew that. Okay, so stop when the bullpen blows a few games. Yes, it's it sucks, and the, the team could be better off, but this was not the year. So everyone calm down, okay? The bullpen is the problem. Yes, this is, this is <laughs> it's like a car with three wheels. Hey, that's the problem. I'm aware. <laughs> that's why I'm driving to the mechanic shop to get it fixed, but thank you. <laughs> Smith, anything you want to add here? No, I just I, I just wanted to comment on because I think you brought up an interesting point about Seattle. Um, that I think part of the reason that's happening is because that vision doesn't look like what a lot of people thought it was going to look like. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be there's a, a sort of two part problem here. One of which is it makes you panic more when Houston is actually not doing that well because you were resigning yourself to wild card and you realize they're actually not looking that good. And I. I Unfortunately, I do think the trash cans are going to get a lot better, guys. So bummer for all of us. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like that feels like a lost opportunity. But then you also have this other problem where, like, Texas is not going away. So, right. I mean, I know we were a lot less surprised about that on this podcast than a lot of people were. And, mm-hmm. you no, know, I don't think that the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, Baja, California, Malibu, California, Mexico, California um, are going to be able to stay in the race. But Texas sure looks like they are. And so now it's like you've got this twofold problem. You have this missed opportunity with Houston, and then you also have this obstacle that you probably weren't counting on. So I think that has also kind of contributed to, to the meltdown um, in Seattle. In a sort of a, I guess, a, a, a situational problem, it's sort of the opposite of the AL Central, right? Where you can say, oh, Cleveland, you don't need to panic. It's going to be fine. Your division sucks. You know, but yeah. the Mariners, mm-hmm. opposite problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a wide-open division now. Um, it, it also it materialized oddly on Monday. Um, Monday night, uh, what is it, the, the, the eighth inning, where the Rangers are up a run and beamed a Seattle player and everybody booed, which was confusing because the Ranger fans were also annoyed because we just put the tying run on. <laughs> and then another player was boo- beamed, putting the go-ahead run on, and the fans continued to boo, and I'm like, what, what are you, no, this is good for y'all. <laughs> Why are you booing? Like, we're booing. You're booing for the wrong reasons. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it was a very odd moment of this is helping you, but all right, cool. We'll get. The, how about this? We'll strike this guy on, then you got to be happy. He didn't get beat. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. What, what, what sucks is it's still too early to make trades to fix that bullpen, but that's coming. That's coming. But you know, that's that's a conversation for a later date. All right, Irby, you're up. What do you want to lead off with tonight? Well, I, you know, I. I Made it kind of a habit the last few weeks of these good young hitters getting the job done. And um, this one here, he uh, uh, finally, not as young, getting, getting a chance. Um, he does stand six foot four, 225 pounds, and it is a legit 6'4", 225 pounds. And that is one Brent Rooker. Mm. Uh, Brent Rooker of the Oakland A's, the, um, what are the A's at? Four wins? No, it's probably more. <laughs> but that doesn't matter. 
It's I'm not. It's not about the wins there. It um, might be five. It might be five. <laughs> we don't know, but um, Brent Rooker's taking care of business himself. This is a player who has bounced around a couple places. Um, finally, making something. He's 28 years old. Finally, getting himself a real legit opportunity. Um, drafted twice by the uh, the Minnesota Twins. Um, out of Mississippi State, first as a fr- as a fresh as a se- junior, um, and then after his senior year, uh, was a first round draft pick, thirty fifth overall, by by the Twins. Um, but as you see, he is no longer a twin. He was part of the Taylor Rogers trade uh, with the Padres um, that included Chris Paddock as well. And then the Padres later traded him <laughs> that same season in twenty twelve to the Royals in a minor league deal. And then the Royals, the Kansas City Royals, the rebuilding Kansas City Royals, waved, said Brett Rooker, who the Oakland Athletics said, yeah, we can use a bat, and they are the better four. Brett Rooker sitting in the top ten of many, many expected categories, from batting averages to slugging to on-base percentages. Um, we can sit here and talk about these stack cast numbers all you want. They are solid numbers. The guy is putting the bat on the ball He's not missing. He is barreling, you know, legitimately, but it's not just his swing. He's not chasing bad pitches. He's drawing walks. That is the big reason of why we are seeing Brett Rooker go from a player who has seen time in the majors every single year since 2012, 2012, 2020, 2020, every year since 2020, he has had time. But it's not a household name. It's not a name that we really know about because it hasn't been any real looks. You know, 2021 was his best year. Minnesota gave him 58 games to prove himself, um, and nothing really materialized. Oakland's giving him a chance, and Oakland's reaping the rewards. And, boy, this is, this is one of those ones that Oakland loves these things because they can get a lot of minor league pitchers for him later on. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know, Samantha. This sounds to me like the Guardians' next winning trade. <laughs> Except Cheryl Tats in trade. I mean, is that part or is that part of his power? Maybe we don't have to have it, Feral Cats. Um, I think you have to take the Feral Cats because they're leaving uh, Oakland. You have to take the Feral Cats and Brent. I see. You know, I could. I could get on board with that. I think we could figure some out with that. That would be fine. Also, like, Irby, do you want to tell people what this gentleman's full name is? Like, his his actual name? His bases loaded name? Yeah, his, his <laughs> um, Super Nintendo. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, sure. Sure, and you'll understand why he goes by Brent. Uh, yes, this is, he, um, <laughs> November 1st, 1994, in Germantown, Tennessee, was born one Terry Brent Rooker. Does sound like something off a video game or a movie. Harry Brent. Harry Brent. Weird. Like that does not roll off the tongue. Harry Brent. Like and like when you're mad at him, do you call him that? Harry Brent. Like I just. How did you get? When it's not initials that you can put together, you know, like AJ or TJ. TB. No TB. Yeah, I don't know what was going on there. I you know Terry does feel a little bit like for who was still giving the first name of Terry. To a male child in 1994, that seems a little weird. So I, I see why he decided to roll with Brent. Like I feel like everyone who's named Terry is like over the age of 60. So that's kind of weird. But you know, it's working for him. It's working for him. 
Oh boy, Irby, what else do you have? <laughs> Terry Brent Rooker. <laughs> well, you know, we we talked a little while ago the, the panicking fan bases, um, the vets who spent a lot of money um, for what we're seeing, um, which. You know, they are the, yes, they technically are the Mets, but as we do on here, we're not really the Mets. They're the Padres of the East. Um, so let's take a look at that team. Let's start it off. Because it did start with the Mets, and then we had the Padres of the Mets of the West, and now the Padres, and you know, the, the Padres of the East. But, yeah, those those Padres out there in San Diego, um, I don't, it's a weird, you know, this is, this is a similar thing of you're there, you know, you're, 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 Three games out behind the Dodgers. This is common ground. The uncommon thing here is, is there's another team there, which we saw a couple years ago with the Giants, but now it's the Diamondbacks, which on this podcast, you know, we kind of called that one. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Pat ourselves on the back a little bit. Saw this one coming. But this is a weird Padres team because it is um, average. And, and, and I know that I have to explain more than that, but, man, when these guys – Win a series, they follow up by losing a series. When they score a lot of runs, they follow up by not scoring any and giving up a lot. Like, this is the most average team out there, and it shouldn't be because of this lineup. Like, 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 like up and down this lineup, this is a fantastic, this is a video game lineup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and you paid for that, too. You paid for that video game lineup, and it's weird because the performances, there's not really been any bad performances. On this team, starting pitching hasn't been amazing, but it hasn't been that bad. Like they're they're not giving up a ton of runs. The offensive firepower, we've seen the numbers, we've seen the runs, we've seen some highlights from these guys, but the numbers really aren't there. And they're sitting at score. They've scored 151 runs and they've given up 150. And the way that the season's played out, and, and what we're looking at with all these teams, that's actually low. On both categories, which means that the pitching is doing well and the hitting's not. But we've seen some great numbers <laughs> coming from guys like even Nelson Cruz and Fernando Tatis, as long as he continues to play, and, and Xander, and, and even Machado, though it's down a little bit, and the starting pitching numbers aren't great. So it's a weird combination of the individual numbers aren't great, but as a whole, they're fine, and vice versa. All that comes out into a, a very odd and complicated formula that simply equals this is a very average team. You know, Samantha, you look at the lineup here, it is a video game lineup. And if, if, if it wasn't as, as loaded as it was, I would take a look at Juan Soto as maybe being a part of the problem here. Because his OPS is 110 points off his career average. His batting average is 40 points lower than his career batting average. He's obviously struggling by standards that we've come accustomed to Soto being at. But you look at the lineup around him, you can't just say, well, Juan Soto, you, you got to start hitting, otherwise we're not going to win. Like, what exactly could they – this is a big problem. The fact that, that a team like this is playing so, as we put it, average. Yeah, I, no, I'm glad you brought up Juan Soto because I was going to bring that up as well. Um, and the problem is not Juan Soto, as you have correctly pointed out. He is one guy. Um, also, you know, his walk rate is so high that it's a little bit hard to um, <laughs> kind of come at him whether his average is down or not. He's still making a lot of positive contributions and getting himself on base. So, 
Um, and, and there's also been some speculation that he is somebody who is really struggling with the pitch clock as well. So we expect that that will get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's one guy. But, you know, like like you're both saying, it's a video game lineup. And, you know, when we see these teams that are really expensive, that perform in a manner that's really average, usually you're talking about a team that overpaid for junk, basically, because they were just trying to buy everything in sight. And that's not really what these guys did. You know, they, they paid a lot. And, and you can't argue that they were overpays. But what they paid for ought to be pretty darn good. And when you, like, isolate, you know, pick a guy, any guy, it's other than Soto where, you know, I think even with him you can make the argument that the walks are are negating a lot of the the poor average. Um, Most of these guys are doing fine. So, like, why aren't they winning baseball games? Because it's hard to point at, you know, multiple members of this lineup or, or multiple pitchers on this staff and say, well, that guy, that guy, and that guy are underperforming. It's like, that's not really what's happening here. It's just that they haven't been exceptional. And when you spend that kind of money and you have a lineup that, that looks like that, that's full of, you know, names, as it were, you expect mm-hmm. them to perform better than third place. I mean, it's I, I think if this team was had a slightly better record and was chasing the Dodgers, only the Dodgers, and, and the race was closed, I, I don't think we would even be talking about this. Because, yeah, like, you could spend a fortune and perform really well and still not be able to beat the Dodgers. Like, that's, that's life in the NL West. Like, sorry, mm-hmm. folks, that's just right. how it is. But, uh, you know, and, and like Irby said, you know, like we were, we were kind of on the Diamondbacks. But, you know, when I said that, I, I didn't mean I thought, oh, this is a more talented team than the Padres. It was a ha-ha, the Padres might screw up, and these guys might be able to sneak into third place or whatever. But that's not how it's going. So, like, why is this team that, like, it's hard to pick out a specific problem with them. Looks so very, very average. Irby, anything you want to add to that? No, well, for example, on the last one, yeah, the, the good news for the Padres and, and for their fans is that this is not like like this is almost the way. If it's not going to start off great, this is what you want. You wanted low scoring games. You want to be losing these close games. Um, as opposed to, yeah, the offense has scored 200. Well, the offense is a little bit of sorry, I should go. The offense is averaging six runs a game, but the pitching's given up seven. That's where you've got more of a problem. This, because of that offensive firepower, because of the names on here, because of those players that you put on this roster, this is regardless. Irregardless of that, this is not a team you want to play in a in a short series, in a winner take all series. So, I it, it's fine. This is not a panic button. It's it's definitely not where they want it to be. It's not what it's. This is not how they envisioned uh, the first thirty-eight games of the season going, or for thirty-six. Sorry, thirty-six games. The first thirty-six games. This is not what they saw. They did not see nineteen and seventeen. So, hey, room to go, but it's not the worst case. All right. What else do you have for us tonight, Irby? Well, the last one, and I'll keep this short because it's it's more I really want to get y'all's opinion as well. And, and we've seen over the last said number of years how what Major League Baseball does is they're trying to make rule changes, is they're trying to add excitement, trying to add safety, if you will, to the game and all that. And, and they use this by starting off in these lower divisions and then um, rules really don't become a thing until we see double A. Like when we see these rules pop up in double A, uh, these these changes, pitch clocks, bare bases, stuff like that. When we see these things pop up in double A, that's when we start paying attention. To like, okay, this is something that's going to happen. Uh, 
Um, not a ball. A ball is definitely that. Let's try. Oh no, that didn't work. Moving on because nobody really cares about a ball records. Double A is different. Double A is where we start to see. And our latest one here. <laughs> um, I, I know that I'm supposed to call it the the sticky ball, the sticky tack, whatever you want to call it. But I love the term that's being thrown out, and it's the enhanced grip. Um, the enhanced grip which is supposed to be leaving a, 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 a positive or improving essentially the grip of adding a layer of stickiness or tackiness, if you will, for the pitcher. What's happening in AA, there are more and more teams reporting the fact that there is a residue staying on these pitchers' fingers. There is a residue getting in entire hands. And as we've already seen in, major, in the majors, that's going to get you a 10-game suspension. So I don't like where this is going. Um, you can call it enhanced grip all you want. I, uh, this, is a, this is a sticky situation that, that's being developed here. I knew you were going to do that. I, 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 I had to. <laughs> I knew it. I, oh, okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> Samantha, the, the one thing that's always fascinated me about baseball is the only sport that cannot be consistent with the ball they put in play. Like they just can't do it, no, no, no matter. Even if they're not even trying to be consistent with the baseball. Now we can go back and forth on you know the, the merits of the juice ball versus the dead ball and all that other fun stuff. But this is one I feel like they need to get right, and we've talked about this on this show many, many, many times. So I'm glad they're trying something anyway, because if you're not going to let players rosin up the way that that they need to to have a good grip on the ball, then you have to improve the grip on the ball. We've said that time and time again this year. But clearly, yeah. <laughs> clearly they're, they're, they're still struggling even with this. Yeah, enhanced grip. I'm not going to call it that. I'm not calling it that. I'm not calling it that even if it does work. So, no, it's the tacky ball or the sticky ball, but I'm not calling it that. Um, that's stupid. But, yeah, this is like... Look, there's been a lot of complaints about this ball coming out of the lab leak in AA, and another one of the complaints that's being made, and this tells me that, like, you have basically failed from, like, a uh, manufacturing standpoint, is that, you know, we've got, you know, Irby, you mentioned the residue on people's hands, and, and most of, you know, the data that we're getting back is, is a lot of guys saying that, like, essentially pitchers who don't use rosin are having trouble gripping this. And you're like, but the whole point of it was supposed to be that you didn't need rosin. And now you're telling me you can't hold on to this thing without rosin, even if your guy typically doesn't use rosin. So it's worse than a normal baseball. Like, how did that happen? And I just, I'm wondering, you know, we, we don't have an adversarial relationship with, like, the KBO in Major League Baseball. So why are we not speaking to them about like whatever proprietary substance it is that they are using, which has successfully allowed them to create a tackier ball, which is why they don't have this problem. Like, I mean, why would the KBO not share that information with major league baseball? Why do you need to reinvent the wheel so that you can say you invented it? Like, why don't you go talk to the people who already figured it out? It's weird. It's really, really weird because now you have this like garbage ball that it turns out is worse than a normal baseball to grip without an additional substance on your hands, which is like the opposite of what we were trying to do. So like, how did you screw this up so badly? Like, how? How is this possible? 
Like, because most of the inconsistency in baseballs that you were referring to, Bo, is willful, you know, and, and the, the juice ball and the dead ball within the Baker merits of that, and, you know, they're using two separate baseballs. Like, I, I think we all agree that whether the baseball is admitting it or not, we, we know that was not an accident. Um, so it's not like they can't get the people who make the baseballs to, like, make consistent baseballs. It's like they're effing it up. Like, it's just... We have a recipe for this. Why don't you go next, knock on the door next door? You know, when you go ask somebody for their recipe, like, this isn't secret sauce, man. Like, the KBO is not a rival in that way. They're not going to not tell you how they make their baseballs. Like, this is so stupid. It's, it's, and it's so preventable. My goodness. Uh, well, you can just give them the rosin. You can just let them have the just rosin. Just let them have the rosin. Just saying. Like, you can just let it's, them have the rosin. It's been legal for over 100 years. Yeah. Oh. Okay. As in, in, in our lifetimes, in our parents' lifetimes, in our grandparents' lifetimes, in our great—you see where I'm going with this, right? Like, there's always been that rosin bag on the mound. So yeah, like in the Civil War, like when we didn't understand things like sepsis and like you know, no, washing toilets, no we had doubt. rosin. No so, doubt, like, no, no doubt. The you know the guy with the rubber arm, he was throwing rosin bags when he was out of ammo in the Civil War. <laughs> I mean, come on now. It's, it, it, and then he got ridiculous. himself a ten game suspension from the Civil War because there was <laughs> rosin on his hand. Something tells me if you're in a war, you're gonna want the suspension. <laughs> I was, I was gonna say I would happily accept a ten game suspension from the Civil War. <laughs> Hang on, I'm out. Bad place to be. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Ten battles, really. Yeah, in game battle, no pay. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. <laughs> oh goodness me, <laughs> Smith. Anything you want to add here before we move on? I mean, listen. When you're in like a land war where things have gotten so bad that like you have to boil and eat your own shoes, like take the suspension, man. What are you gonna do? Just take it. Just take it. <laughs> Irby, how about you? Anything you want to add here before we move on? No, no, it's 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 mixed signals. It's confusing messaging. Um, yeah, it's crazy that Major League Baseball is trying to fix something and makes it worse. Like that's I that's called Ferrari, but you know, I I, I thank you for bringing up the KBO, Samantha, because yeah, it's literally somebody here who figured it out. But nope, this is Major League Baseball. We're gonna put our blinders on. We're gonna put our head down, and we're gonna figure it out, even if we can't. All right. Well, speaking of uh, mixed signals and, and and confusing messaging, let's talk about the Angels because we are once again trying. They're trying to tell us that they're a competitive team. They did this last year. In fact, the the West outside of Texas, the West is looking a little bit like it did last year, where you had Houston struggle out of the gate. The Mariners kind of hanging around, and the Angels right there on top of both of them. And then the Angels finish the season down towards the bottom where the Rangers and A's were. So my question for you guys, is there anything at all with this Angels team to suggest that this year will be any different than last year? Samantha, do you want to start off there? Um... Sure. No, there, there is not. Um, I just, you know, Anthony Rendon has his first, you know, it's been 84 years. He finally got a home run. Um, I just, there's nothing. 
I'm seeing here that convinces me that the problems that they have had in the recent past have been fixed in a manner that is sustainable. So Otani is wonderful. Mm -hmm. They will win more games if Mike Trout stays healthy the whole season. That's still an if, by the way. But if he does, they will win more games than they did a year ago. Okay. Well, they're not going to win enough more (laughs) games than they did a year ago. And they still have many of the same problems (laughs) that they had, which they did not address. I mean, we saw some sort of goofy, like, see, we fixed our pitching. No, yeah. No, yeah. Um, I, and it's, again, you know, there, there are divisions, you know, if you play in the AL Central, no, I take that back because I, I don't think the Angels would win the AL Central. I, I don't think so. No. So I, do I think they're going to be a better team in a very technical record sense than they were a year ago? Yeah, probably. I think they probably put together more wins for no other reason than, you know, Mike Trout's got to be worth, you know, four wins on his own. Um, <laughs> if he stays healthy, which seems like he might, so... Okay, you know, Otani just seems to, you know, invent new statistical categories to uh, (laughs) (laughs) exploit. So, sure, that's going to help you, but is it enough? No, not with the way Texas is playing, not with the way we know Houston is capable of playing. I mean, if somebody wants to have a conversation with me about is it possible for the Angels to finish in front of Seattle, like, I think I would have a very different answer to that now than, than I would have a month and a half ago, and you know, the answer then would have been absolutely not. Now the answer is I don't know. Um, I mean, they can beat the ace, but for them, like, so can the federal cats can beat the ace um, if they were to field a team. So that's not really much of an accomplishment. But, yeah, I, I'm not super impressed by this. Like, I'm impressed by Otani and Shout because when are you ever not impressed by them? But, like, we, we also know that, like, two people does not a playoff signing. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I I, mean, I I enjoy baseball season, but I don't think I've looked forward to an off season more than this one in a long time because of that Otani potential mega deal. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a that's another conversation for another day, though. Irby, how about you? Anything to suggest that this year is going to be different than last year for the Angels by the time it's done? Nope. Nope. And I'll make it simple. Let, let's let's go through. Your series is so far. I mean, this is this. this, this I, 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 there's no way. I, I only need to set it up. Okay, here's the series that the Angels have won. They have beaten the A's, the Mariners, the Nationals, the Royals, the A's again, and the Cardinals. <laughs> series they've lost: the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Brewers, the Rangers, and now the Trash Can. <laughs> you can beat you can beat bad teams and you can lose to good teams. Both Trout and Otani are in the conversation for MVP, which I'm putting as big air quotes as enhanced grip for that MVP. <laughs> okay, there's nothing. This is it. This is it. It is it is like like Angels baseball is quickly becoming the definition of insanity. When you do the same thing over and over again and expect a different outcome. Sure. You can you can get excited all you want about well we're, we're sitting in second place we're ahead of Houston for now like like you don't get to play the A's and the Cardinals and the Royals all season long okay pretty soon you have to keep playing those teams with better records and you haven't beaten one yet okay you know who else hasn't beaten a good team yet the A's 
The White Sox. Actually, the White Sox, I think, even pulled one off. Okay, so no, this is this is insanity. It is insanity to think that the Angels can do anything productive towards the postseason. It is the same thing over and over and over again. <laughs> Smith, anything you want to add to that? Is this going to be the excuse they'll hang around just long enough that that will be the excuse not to trade Otani? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I think they've already done. They already made that. The, the memo has already been typed up. Oh, yeah. Like, I think so, too. I think they, they are not going to Whoa, 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 whoa. It's stupidest the, thing. It's the Angels, okay? They sent a fax. There's no memo. It's the Angels. And yet, a fax that's not plugged in like the Cincinnati Bengals, right? Asian <laughs> <laughs> trade. All over. <laughs> All right. Okay, so uh, next on my list, uh, Smith, I want to talk about Bryce Harper. And not not how awesome of a player he is. Uh, I'm, I'm just curious how it's possible that he's already back. Because it, it, it seems like a week ago that he had Tommy John surgery. Now, we've talked about Tommy John and the arm and all that fun stuff on the show many, many times. We all know that position players come back faster. But this was really fast. And to my knowledge, he didn't get the shortcut, Tommy John. Like, he got the full-fledged elbow ligament reconstruction Tommy John surgery, right? Like, like you know, the, the big one, the main one. That's supposed to be, I mean, it knocks pitchers out for a year and a half. Position players can go back in less than a year. But this is, this is a matter of months. And he's already back. You, any idea here on how he was able to do that? I, I wish I had the answer to that because I, I think I would become suddenly extremely marketable to like twenty nine other major league baseball teams. Like right, also <laughs> get your guy back quicker from Tommy John. Um, but um, the White Sox aren't interested in that. I'm sorry, twenty eight other teams. Uh, <laughs> correct. Um, but look, I mean, it's like. It's, this is one of those where I feel like you almost just have to do the, like, where you just tip your cap and you're like, man, Bryce Harper, man. Like, Bryce Harper's amazing. And maybe that it really is what it is. You know, like, I mean, you can, we hear the phrase fast healer tossed about frequently, and I think that the type of shape that you are in uh, matters certainly. I also think his swing has something to do with it. There, there are people who I think the swing pass um, somewhat dictates sort of whether or not you would be able to do this. So there, there are some mechanical aspects to this that I think make it a little bit easier for a guy like him. Um, and when you put that together with sort of being a fast healer and being somebody who was no doubt in bodaciously good shape going into it, um, all these things put together, you go, okay, yeah, I could see how you could come back sooner. That doesn't quite explain how soon he was able to come back because this is notable. It's not just like, oh, yeah, he was back like three weeks ahead of schedule. If that were the case, we'd just go, oh, yeah, you know, of course, mm -hmm. like some guys heal faster. Like, but I think you kind of have to put all those things together and then you just throw like the magic dust of like, I don't know, I mean, Bryce Harper's just something else. He's incredible. Um, you know, not going to be able to give you an explanation for this because they don't think that there is one. Yeah. So, which is unfortunate because it would be super cool if, if we could perhaps 
shorten uh, the, the length of time that they lose these guys for because that just, you know, it just sucks when you hear somebody needs Tommy John, even a position player, it's still a long time. Yeah. It's not as bad as a pitcher, but it's a long time. And it's super cool. And I wish that there was some sort of, uh, you know, information that would be transferable to, to others that they could share about this. But I think this is just a, like, I don't know, man. Sometimes you get a guy who's just a freak in the best possible way, and, and that certainly describes Bryce Harper in so many facets of the game that it's like, well, if there was going to be a guy who was going to be able to do this, like, what the heck, man? Why wouldn't it be Bryce Harper? <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know what? I, I wanted to come out, like, 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 you know, the actual, like, you know, surgery itself was, like, some new technique. Right, because right. yeah, because th- then we could really we could we get Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim this and call it the Tommy John Bryce Harpy Bryce Harper method of Tommy John or the Tommy John Bryce Harper and hyphenate that thing like like there, there's all kinds of word salad that we can do if that's the case because this is just Irby this is just fast it's 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 almost like too good to believe fast. Well, then maybe that's where you're at. Is it? Are you getting Tommy Jones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which one are you getting? Oh, I'm getting the Bryce Harper version. Oh, okay. So you're not getting the uh, so many names, pictures, names that never materialized. <laughs> I don't want to be mean. The Todd coffee. The Todd. Yeah. Ooh, there we go. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm getting Tommy Jones. Which one? Are you getting the coffee or the Harper? I'm getting the Harper. Oh, cool. We'll see you next week. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's gonna be fine. <laughs> I, you know, I, I hope it goes well. It's good for baseball. It's good for the Phillies, obviously. Um, happy to see him back. Um, what, how, all that. I, you know, let's get long term and see before we get too excited. Um, how this holds up and everything. Uh, be fun to watch as it develops. Uh, the best I can come up with is just, I, it, it, it's in the name. Um, Harper, which is a, uh, you know, has its um, a surname from the English, Scottish, Irish um, realm, and it means, simply simply means um, one that plays with the harp. So maybe he started playing the harp, and that's what it is. Like, I, 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 I can't bring logic here. So he who plays with harp gets Tommy John's recovered quicker. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's the rehab. He was playing the harp. I don't know. Oh, well, if that's true, then good news for... Yoshida's dog, because Yoshida named his French bulldog after Bryce Harper. The dog is called Harper because mm-hmm. he said he idolized Bryce Harper. So if mm-hmm. that dog ever needs Tommy John, he's going to be fun. Yeah, he's going to come back and and dominate the Westminster, you know, dog show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Uh, so. Uh, last on my list before we get into uh, Armchair Umpire, I thought it was a good time to talk about whiny managers. Because, yeah, Craig Council, <laughs> who was ejected recently, uh, he, he was ejected because he was arguing about the number of times Alex Cobb has disengaged from the mound. That's why he was ejected, uh, Samantha. And it, it feels to me like I, I, Craig Council is kind of tired of all these rules that baseball is coming up with to go right at his backward-ass way of managing. So now he's just going to gripe about everything. He's going to whine about everything. So that is my top choice for whiningest manager in the game right now. But I wanted to get the, your, your input on this uh, from both of you on who you think 
is the whiniest manager in baseball right now. Samantha, we can start with you on that. Like, I feel like it's so hard to pick because it's like a three-way tie. Like, I just, like, we need to get, like, a padded room, and we need to throw <laughs> Rocco Baldelli, Aaron Boone, and Craig Council into that powdered room, like, once a week so they can just let it out, right? So they can just <laughs> get in there and, like, sob and whine and, you know, lay on the floor and kick, like, their toddlers and, like, pound on the walls and just be like, it is so unfair when the rules are enforced for me the same way that they are enforced for everyone else. I just can't take it. I'm outraged. <laughs> And they can just let it all out. And, and, you know, they can brawl with each other or they can just sit down and have a little, like, a prayer circle together and cry together and be like, listen, like, how do we get ourselves to a place where, you know, we become more, like, I don't know, socially acceptable in the way in which we handle disappointment? Um, it's, I don't know. Like, it's, it's just all three of them. But, like, there needs to be some kind of release for these guys, right? Because, like, it's not doing them any good to get ejected. Like, we're not seeing that... You know, sometimes you get the dead cat bounce from, like, after after an ejection, the team gets, like, fired up by it. But, like, these guys do it so often. Like, you know the people in the dugout are going, oh, she's going to go again. Like, <laughs> just sit down, man. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, let it go. Like, oh. So, like, maybe they just need a safe space for the three of them. They need a safe space for them where they can freely exercise their emotions and then they can keep it together a little bit bigger, better when they are, you know, mid-game. <laughs> maybe they just need, like, an emotional support feral cat. Oh, you know? well, yeah, I mean, you could channel it through the cat, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what you do with the cat under those circumstances. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's just, like, you share your feelings with the cat, and then the cat goes and, like, I don't know, takes over another suite. You know, does the Coliseum have suites? Um, takes over another bathroom in the Coliseum or something to get concession stands. I don't know. There's got to be some way to for that. There has to be. <laughs> Irby, how about you? Who's, who's your uh, Who's your top choice here for uh, whiningest manager of the year thus far? I thus far, oof. I, I mean, it, it's hard not to give it to Pedro out there in Chicago. Um, just watching what is, but there's all kinds of problems. I feel um, not right giving it to Mark Kotze with Oakland just because I mean, not much else you can do there but complain about something. So um, <laughs> I thought about Kotze too for the exact same reason. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I, you know, I, I wish I could put. You know, I, I can't – so this is the one I can't put on the list, and then it gets to what I just want. It's Phil Nevin, um, just because, I mean, you've got arguably two of the best players in the game, and you still are average. Um, so there's got to be something in there. But that's where I, I miss. And uh, you, congratulations, Universe, you win. But I miss Mike Sosha. <laughs> oh, I, man. Could you imagine Mike Sosha with Trout and Otani, and they're still not winning? Yes, like he'd quit. He would just quit. Like, like, I, 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 the, 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 the whining he would do. Like, he would be telling umpires, "You got to throw me out of those games. So I can get away from these guys." Like, I just, I, uh, I, I, you win, universe. I miss Mike Sosha. <laughs> I'm not gonna go that far, Samantha, but it, 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 that is interesting. Mike Sosha, especially with today's rules. The, 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 so how many times a game would you get that that confused look on his face towards the umpires? Over hey, yeah, the- I don't even know if he counts. I mean, he's not really a big ejection guy, you know? Like, 
You're right. You're right. But he does. It's true. But he does bark on the bass a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, but with Joe West departing, I feel like we get less of those arbitrary, um, arguing from the dugout objections. So we still have some. I mean, I'm sure Phil Cousy would be happy to throw you on the game. Um, <laughs> barking about balls and strikes and that. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy! All right. Well, that, that that wraps up our our fun individual topics for the week. So, uh, Irby, all that's left is armchair umpire. You ready to rock and roll with that? Oh, you know it. You know I've always got these ready to go. Oh, um, and all right, Samantha, buckle up. No, 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 no. See, it's it's, it's baseball. You have nothing to worry about. The, the the simplest, minorest of things can make the biggest of differences, and that's the beauty of baseball. And <laughs> it can be sometimes simple moments, and it really does matter when things happen. So let's hypothetically look back at a day um, when the Dodgers and the Cardinals are playing um, a game in Los Angeles. Gene Oliver opens up the inning. Uh, the inning doesn't matter for the Cardinals with a nice looping single to right field. So, on on, Wally Shannon is up next up, and he runs the count to three and two. Um, so, wanting to be a little bit of aggressive, they move, they, you know, not thinking he's going to strike out. They're going to put Gene Oliver in motion. And so, Gene Oliver in motion on the, uh, the stretch. The pitch is made, and... Mr. Shannon takes a, and I quote this, a lusty swipe at a fastball and barely nicks it. The ball strikes catcher John Rosenborough's glove, bounds off his chest protector, and straight up into the air, catching it barehanded. Oliver, who was off to second base on the move, immediately retreats back. Roseburg throws a line down to first base and beats him in time. The field umpire waves it. Oliver is out. Two away. But are there? Cardinals manager disagrees. What do you say? Okay, I had a bit of trouble following that, so I'm going to need to ask you for some clarification. Sure, sure, sure. So the hitter nicked the ball, hit the catcher on the chest protector. He nicks the ball, so straight back, like like fastball. He's throwing a fastball. Fastball nicks it right off of the glove, and it actually hits the glove. Then the chest protector popped up and up high enough that the catcher is able to regain himself and catch that ball. So the ball never touched the ground? The ball does not touch the ground, no. It's a two-strike count. Three balls, two strikes. And then he throws down to first. To pick off the runner. The runner who is in motion, yes. So basically at 3-2, they put the runner in motion, believing, you know, he's not going to strike out, so let's go ahead and get things going. So they put the runner in motion with the 3-2 count. There aren't two outs. Okay, sidebar. But, um, yeah. How how was the runner put out by the first baseman? Was this like, was is, is it a tag, or was he just on the base? So the runner in this situation is too far gone that when the throw's made down, he's out before even realizing. So it's caught, touches first, and then the runner starts walking off the field, mm. knowing that he is out. See, okay. 
Samantha, this is where I, this is where I'm at to start this off. Okay, this is a this is a wonky one. Um, it's a two strike count. The batter foul tips the pitch, and even though it bounces around a few times, it never touches the ground. It's caught by the catcher, which to me constitutes an out strikeout. But at that point, the catcher could then throw down to first and pick off the runner, but they would have to tag the runner. Yeah, I agree. There's no force play at first base. Right. So batter's out, sure, but there's no force there because the runner didn't have to go. Right. So nor does he have to get back. Right. So, and, or are we just talking about a situation where, because is he out? Because I mean, theoretically, you could have been, but you would have to tag because it's a fly out, which he didn't do. So, just is he only out because he walked off the field? Or, well, okay, let's say he hit a lazy foul ball, and it's caught, and the guy throws it to first. That's a force out. So maybe there is a force out here, doubling off the runner. We just right. we, and, we just don't hear about it enough because most of these foul tip into a catcher's glove don't result in a guy t- you know taking off from first. So right, right. But the fact remains, it's still a foul ball that's caught by the catcher. And just to clarify, the catcher was in foul territory when it hit him, right? Correct. Yes, catcher normal position. Balls nicked off the bat, hits his mitt, hits his chest protector, pops up in the air, and he bare hand grabs it in the air. Like you said, though, does not touch the ground. Right. Maybe because it wasn't straight into the glove, it's treated as a foul ball, like a, like a bunt that that's popped up foul. You make the catch, you can still double the guy off at first because he's no longer standing on first. The runner would then have to still tag to go to second. Yeah, see, I think the call is correct because he didn't tag up. Right. Because theoretically, yeah, like you would have to tag him. Like you can't just force him off first because first base is open under that. So the guy could have just stood there and not moved, right? He doesn't have to go to second. He does not have to move. But once he moves without tagging, he's out. He's out. If they tag back. If he had tagged, we could have a different conversation. Uh, but Or he could have just stood on first game. He could have just not moved, and it would have been fine. But, yeah, I don't think, because the catcher was not in fair territory. Because if the ball bounces off of the catcher, if he comes out in front of the plate and that happens, then we're talking about something different. Right. But he was behind the plate. It's a foul ball. Like, the fact that it hit him, he's not in the field of play when it hits him. So I don't think that matters. Like, so I think we think the, the call on the field is correct, right? Well, one quick question, just to clarify, Irby, it never touches the batter, right? It only, it only, it bangs on right. the catcher's glove. Goes correct. Straight up. Okay. Yeah. Off the bat, glove, chest protector, catcher grabs it barehanded. Okay. Then, yeah. Yeah, I, I think. Then, I, yeah, then he's just th- out. He's, yeah, I think yeah. You, you got, you got two outs, nobody on base. Okay, and why is the runner out? Sorry, I just wanted y'all to explain that one time so I can hear it. Because it's technically a a foul ball 
caught in the air, and the runner had meandered off of first. He was doubled up. Okay. Right, Samantha? Yeah, I mean, I think we're saying the runner was essentially picked off. Yeah. Right? So, unless, well, or are we saying that when that happens, you can't pick the runner off of first? He just has to go back to first. Well, that's what I'm wondering about. There's a rule. That's, this is my only question. Is, is there a rule that says the play is dead? The play is dead because, because in it's... In which case, right, because it, it was in foul territory. Because, yeah, you know what? Because think about it. If you hit a soft foul and the first baseman jogs over and catches it in foul territory, you're not out if you don't get back to the bag before he does. Right. So the runner at first is not out. Hmm. It could go either way. Like, it, it really could go either way here. Like, I'm not I'm not solid on either one. I'm about 50-50 on each one. Yeah, because you can't pick off a runner in the field on a foul ball because the play is over. Right, but if, it, but if it's true. Once a foul ball is caught. But you can double one off if you catch it in foul territory and, they be, and, they're, and they're off the bat without tagging. Can you? Yeah. But then why does everybody just jog back when something is caught? Nobody ever hustles back to the bag when a ball is caught in foul territory. Hmm. I could like be how wrong. How would you double somebody off there? Like, I just don't think I've ever seen that happen. Because, like, if somebody hits it into foul territory, like, the guy doesn't dive for the bag to get back. It's just foul. He just can't go anywhere. Hmm. Okay, I tell you what, you know, like I said, I'm not solid on either one of these, so um, I'm game for going with out at the plate, safe at first. Yeah, I think so. Unless there's something like to me, yeah, the the foul ball out of play, the ball is dead. Like, I guess my only question would be if there's something weird about the way that he hit the catcher, which I think is just saying that's a mess with us. So. Um, I don't know. My opinion would be, and maybe I'm wrong here, but like I'm thinking, you don't hustle back to the back. So unless there's a rule that is different about a ball that's tipped behind the plate on a strike three, as opposed to just your typical fly ball that is caught in foul territory, mm-hmm. that ball is dead. The play's over. So I would think the same thing would apply here. But if there's something weird about the fact that it was strike three, that is where there might be an issue. Well, what do you say we learned something new then? <laughs> yeah, I mean, are we just, okay, so do we want to just roll with it and say, like, yeah. okay, like, we think, based on what we can verify, we think that the runner at the plate is, or the batter is out, and the runner at first is safe, and then we're going to find out if we're going to learn a new rule or not. Yeah, yeah, that works for me. Okay, Irby, that's our final answer. All right. Good job. That was fun. I liked, I liked y'all talking through that and everything, and you guys really worked through the problem. You're wrong, but y'all worked through it really well. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, our, so, hitting, our hitting streak is um, <laughs> listen, Hey, that's okay. Y'all had a great run. Um, you had some real sound logic in there. Um, but this, fundamentally, this is where you guys will be able to change your mind. That ball is actually a foul hip out. A foul tip before 1957, anything after touching 
if it was not immediately caught by the catcher, it's an illegal ball, foul ball, boom, no one out, no one out, or anything, dead ball. The rule changed in 1957 that if, upon swinging and the batter nicking the ball, if it touches the catcher's glove or bare hand, I don't know why you'd have your bare hand there, but <laughs> glove first or bare hand first, then it does not matter if it hits another part of the body and then the catcher catches it. That is a foul hit strike three. The runner in this situation, had he continued to second and stopped at second, would be awarded a stolen base. Wow. Safe at second. <laughs> but because in the confusion him walking off and walking off the field, he is out because he walked off the field. The throw down to first didn't matter. The oh, runner is the same as strike three. I and then we just moved on from it. I'm so mad. I'm so mad. That's so annoying to me because I absolutely, like, I know at some point I was like, well, is he out just because he walked off the field? Oh, I should have stuck with that. Oh, man. That's, that's so disappointing. That, that stolen that's, base nugget, though. That's interesting. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Well, and that was the, that was the hardest like, part. Strike him out, throw him out the whole play, in a way. Right? Yeah. In a weird way. And, and that would have been the thing. Had the catcher thrown down to second and they made the catch and made the tag, both runners would be out as they strike them out, throw them out. Um, that was another. I went back and forth on the two scenarios. I'm like, okay, which one's going to mess with them more? And, it, and and I went with the platter walking off. Um, but yes, that was good. Y'all y'all would have. Hey, no, you you had it. Y'all talked through it well. That was well done. But yes, that is a a weird little nugget that even when reading, I learned as well about the foul tip. That as long as it hits that mitt, and I, and the bare hand is there too. But again, why in the crap would you have your bare hand there? <laughs> Take it off your bare hand, but whatever. The bare hand is the same as the guy. As long as it hits the hands first, it does not matter if it hits another part of the catcher's body, and then he catches it in the air. That is a foul tip strikeout. See, and that's so frustrating because I think we actually understood that part of it. We, did. we just fixated on the wrong yeah. thing. We were so worried about whether the ball was foul or not, that like, or whether you had to get back to the bag. And then we even said it, and then we moved on from it. We're like, guy walked off the field. Like, oh man, of course, of course. Oh, that's so frustrating. <laughs> frustrating for us. How about how about for the player that could have had second base if he wanted it? Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh right. well, we we had a good run, and now it's over. Uh. <laughs> yeah, all good hitting streaks have to come to an end. One of these, one of these seasons, we're going to get to Dimaggio's number, but not not this year. That's unfortunate. Oh well, that's going to do it for us, though. We're out of here. Don't forget to smash that like button. Subscribe to the show. Help us out with that algorithm. Until next week, watch some baseball. You might see one of these strike them out, throw them out, and out because they walked off the field type plays. You never know. Crazy things happen. <laughs> Have a great week. <laughs>